Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with James Dick, an engineering specialist with the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, about how to control dust around your on-farm storage systems. It's a timely topic as farmers start to fill up their bins with this year's harvest. We will also get an update from Marcus Hurrell, the chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. It's Ontario Agriculture Week and Grain Farmers of Ontario participated in an event at Union Station in Toronto in order to connect with consumers. Farm and Food Care led a group of volunteers for multiple commodities, which also included chicken, pork, greenhouse vegetables and eggs. Breakfast sandwiches were handed out during the morning rush and snack packs in the afternoon. Ernie Hardiman, the Minister of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, marked Agriculture Week by naming the Ontario Food Terminal lands as a provincially significant employment zone. This designation protects jobs at the terminal and commits support for it to remain at its current location. Hardiman also released a statement that encouraged everyone to support Ontario farmers by buying local. Harvest season is a stressful time for farmers. Long hours in the field and worrying about the weather and crop condition can put a strain on your mental well-being. And that's why Grain Farmers of Ontario is hosting a farmer wellness webinar series with Kathy Summers from the High Stress and Performance Clinic at the University of Guelph. The next webinar will focus on how to stop worrying. Worrying is thinking about something that I'm afraid is going to happen in the future. And so if I'm thinking to myself how late the crop is, an item that's come up with my child at school, or a parent's health issue, we're programmed to have thoughts about these things, ideally to come up with a plan of action. Unfortunately, we're often sidetracked from coming up with a plan of action by our brain's negativity bias. We start overestimating how bad the problems can be. We underestimate our ability and resources to deal with those problems. And we start ruminating or chewing it over and over in our mind. In this workshop, we're going to be talking about How can I do the two proven paths to curb worrying and make it manageable moving towards the action plan? And how can I better understand and circumvent those pitfalls of overestimation of the problem, underestimation of my abilities, and ruminating and dwelling too much on a problem? The Worry webinar will be held on October 16th at 10 a.m. To register, go to gfo.ca. And if you've missed any of our previous webinars, don't worry, you can watch them on our YouTube channel. Grain Farmers of Ontario is honoured to be recognized as a finalist in five categories of the 2019 Best of CAMA. That's the awards program of the Canadian Agri-Marketing Association. We were recognized for programs such as Dawn and Corn, the crisis communications that we issued to our farmer members during fall 2018 into spring 2019, events such as the 2019 March Classic, the Ontario Grain Farmer Magazine, this Grain Talk podcast, as well as some of our elements that we've used to direct our communications to the general public about Grain Farmers of Ontario with our Good in Every Grain campaign. And those tactics that are specifically being recognized are the Grade 3 Teacher's Kit, crop-up restaurants, and an article called What's So Scary About GMOs. 
The Best of Cama Awards will be presented in London, Ontario on November 14th. Congratulations and best of luck to all the agricultural companies, marketing agencies, and associations who are also finalists. And now, here's my conversation with James Dick. Joining us on the podcast today is James Dick with Omafra, and he is the Engineering Specialist with Crop Systems and Environment. Thanks for joining us today, James. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Rachel. So why don't we start with a little bit of a description about what it means to be an engineering specialist? So I think a lot of uh, your listeners are probably familiar a little more with our crop specialists. That would be, you know, our corn specialist, wheat specialist, um, the soybean specialist, edible beans. Like that's Ben, Joanna, Megan, Horst. You, you know all those folks. What you may not know is that there are engineers backing them up as well. And, and we tend to deal a little bit more with maybe the machinery side, especially when it comes to grain, the harvesting side, um, drying and storage. And that's that's more my role, whereas our crop specialists tend to focus a little more on the growing of your crops and getting it to harvest. Then somebody like me steps in and helps you get it from harvest to ultimately marketing and trying to focus on the best practices around that. So once it's off the field. That's right. Yeah. And how did you end up in your position? What's your background? So my background is mechanical engineering, and um, before I joined Amafra, I've been with Amafra about four years, I worked in, uh, in a private company designing HVAC systems for buildings. So while that may not seem related, I mean, there's a lot of HVAC. Uh, heat, HVAC is heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. So airflow, heating, I mean, that's all what grain storage, grain drying is. And I come from a grain farm. My father still and my brother still farm uh, in the Niagara region. And they have an on-farm grain storage system, so it uh, it was a natural fit for me to join Omafra in this role. So the reason, actually, why we decided it would be great to have you in on the podcast this week is because coming up in the November magazine, um, there's an article that you wrote um, about managing dust emissions with on-farm grain handling systems, and you know that's relevant to our farmer members because we found out in our survey last year that more than half of our farmer members do store some of some of their crop. Um, on farm. So from your perspective though, why is it important to think about managing your dust emissions? So it's it's really important to think about dust management because I mean first of all dust it's not something we we want to have when a farmer takes their load into the elevator if there's too many fines or, or other particulate they will be downgraded for that um, but that dust is also economically valuable because grain is sold by weight. So if you have, you know, more weight in your truck or in your bin, you're, you're going to earn more money for that. And uh, dust is often produced when the grain is handled by the grain, you know, the, the red dog coming off the kernels, um, grain breaking down through the elevator process, through the augers, through the dryer. So if, if grain is, is not managed well in storage, the dust production can go up and you'll find yourself with a lot more fines and, and broken kernels when you go to ship that. So um, it's, it's not just that dust is, is always there. It can be produced and, uh, and it's something to be managed. Um, obviously, you don't want to have a farmyard that looks like a, you know, a pigsty or, or with a huge mess because that creates problems. Um, you know, you could have 
potentially some environmental problems if some of that dust starts to travel off site and people start to complain. Um, but really it is an economic problem too because that's your profits. That dust is your profits that if you don't manage it well, that profit literally blows away on the wind. And we've also heard a bit about, um, I guess, health concerns with dust, right? With breathing it in or especially if there's uh, some contaminants in the grain. Certainly. And I think last year with the, um, the Dawn issue, um, that was maybe more front and center for a lot of people's um, or for a lot of farmers' minds where they were trying to hopefully take better steps in using uh, personal protective equipment, proper particulate dust masks and things like that to um, prevent breathing in that dust. Because yeah, potentially there could be um, some respiratory issues. I mean, it's not that dust, grain dust is toxic or anything, but um, in, working in a dusty environment inside grain bins or or around elevators like that can be a risk factor certainly so why is it that sometimes farmers might see more dust than at other times during harvest so there's a lot of reasons and a lot of factors that contribute um this year actually with the late planted corn in a lot of the province and and we're looking at possibly some harvest challenges with the grain being a little wetter uh, possibly lower test weight that that kind of grain tends to produce a little bit more dust or tends to break down a little bit more easily in grain handling systems so we could actually be looking at a year where dust issues become a little more problematic um, but everything can contribute whether it's you know different grain varieties um, different styles of handling obviously you know augers versus belt conveyors can can have a difference in terms of dust production um, so there's a lot of ways and places where dust actually can be produced. And so it's something to be aware of in your own operation. Where are those um, pinch points, I guess, for, for where dust is more likely to be produced? And does the dust have an influence on how well some of those mechanical systems would actually function? It certainly does, especially when it comes to um, the actual drying and storage. So... I mean, if you think of your grain bin, if you fill that up with corn, actually about 40% um, of the space in that bin is still air. Uh, you don't realize that, but I mean, when the kernels pack together, there's obviously lots of little air gaps in between. And whether it's in the dryer or in a storage bin, that those air gaps, that's how the aeration, that's how the drying um, air travels through the grain. Uh, so when you have a lot of dust, a lot of fine particulate in there, that will fill up those cracks and all of a sudden you've got 30% or 20% air space. That makes the air, a lot, it makes it a lot more difficult for the air to travel through that grain. And that means it's going to stay wetter longer. It's not going to dry well. Um, you could have some wet spots uh, and it becomes a real problem trying to maintain that grain at good quality in the storage. In the article, there's several different tips in terms of how to mitigate uh, dust emissions from your storage systems. Is there one thing that you can pinpoint as sort of your, your, your top thing that uh, can be done on farm? So I think one of the most important things that, that anyone with a storage bin can do, this is not, you don't need extra equipment, you don't need um, a fancy dust management system. Uh, I would say probably the number one thing to do is once you've filled a storage bin, you need to core that bin. The way fines work and dust works um, with gravity, when you fill your bin from the center, um, the dust and fines, is they don't travel as far. They tend to just stay in the center of the bin. So by coring the bin, what you're doing is you're running that underfloor auger once the bin is full and you take out 
a load or two of grain um, basically until you see the grain on top of the bin until the cone starts to invert and until that that inverted cone is about a quarter to a third of the bin diameter then you know what you've done is you've pulled out a lot of the grain in that central core and with it um, the bulk of the fines that are in that bin have, have been pulled out. Um, what you're left with in that bin is, is a much more even distribution of fines, which means your airflow is going to be a lot more consistent through the bin. It's going to be a lot easier uh, to aerate. You won't have as much of a risk of, of wet spots or of the fines setting up. And then with the grain you've removed, you can either sell that as um, you know, feed quality grain. If, uh, if you have livestock, you can feed it yourself. You could have just that portion of the grain cleaned and returned to the bin. Um, you do have options to, to deal with that portion, but by removing a small amount from the bin and coring it, you've, you've really, I think, mitigated a lot of the, the major risks that come with having high fines in, in stored grain. Is there um, more, more of a problem with different crops? Like, is there one crop that tends to be worse than others? I would say corn probably has some of the highest risk. Um, I mean, you get a lot of red dog from corn depending on the year and the variety. So that's that's probably the, when people think of grain dust, they think of red dog. They think of, you know, dryers coated in this orangish red, light, flaky material. Um, that's pretty common. Um, I mean, soybeans and wheat, there's obviously dust there as well. And coring the bin is just as important with, with those crops. Um, so it's, it's not like corn is, is far and above the worst, but I would say, you know, it's, it's probably has the most visible dust, um, with the red dog for sure. Now you mentioned fancy dust mitigation systems. <laughs> when, when we talk about that, what sort of systems are, are available uh, for use in your on-farm storage? So there are lots of options. I mean, probably, um, the one that, one that most farmers would, would go to if they've got an issue with lots of fines or dust in their storage would be a cleaning system. Some type of rotary screen cleaner, um, maybe an auger cleaner or a gravity table, um, some kind of cleaner to get the fines out. And if, if farmers aren't prepared to purchase that themselves, there's certainly service providers out there that do it on a, um, on a rental basis or on a, you know, bring your grain to us and we'll clean it for you. So that's definitely one option that gets the fines out of it and uh, and gives you a cleaner product. When we think about other technologies, I mean, a farmer that has a larger grain system could certainly look at putting a cleaner in line in that system themselves. And, and then there's other fancier options. Um, cyclone filters, basically they're connected to a fan and the fan sucks all the dust laden air out from a, a high dust environment, say a receiving pit or um, you know, a, a shed that's being used to cover the unload or the loadout. Um, so you would connect that to a pipe and a fan, um, and then that dust-laden air would travel through a cyclone. And that cyclone basically allow, it slows the air down and the dust will just drop out into a, a collection basin. Uh, and then the air gets exhausted. So um, yeah, fan extraction systems like that can be used on, on enclosed or semi-enclosed areas. Even storage bins and dryers can be connected to those types of systems. Um, obviously, there's an infrastructure cost there. But for large elevators who are seeing, you know, big dust issues or maybe elevators that are nearby large residential areas that want to make sure they have uh, good dust control would definitely look at systems like that. 
Now, when you mentioned being near, I guess, an urban area, sometimes you think you're out in the middle of nowhere and then surprise, there's a new <laughs> a new uh, subdivision that gets gets built in and sort of urban boundaries encroach onto where you are. So if you're in that situation, I guess, what are some things that uh, obviously you can't move your, your storage bins that easily? Uh, what would be some easy mitigation things to do in that situation? I would say the number one thing to be aware of is is keeping your site clean. If you can um, manage the dust that builds up on your site, um, maybe that means daily even during drying season, making sure that you're sweeping up underneath the dryer and cleaning it up. That, uh, that just prevents having dust there so that when it gets windy, that dust can't blow away if it's, if it's been cleaned up. Um, that, that's really important. Uh, more permanent things to do would be to try and establish some kind of windbreak, whether that's trees, whether that's um, something else, another building, maybe some hay bales, um, depending on what you have access to on your farm. Uh, but something that could help create a bit of a blockade between yourself and the uh, the nearby subdivision or, or neighbors or whomever. And they might appreciate looking at trees as opposed to steel bins. Yeah, yeah perhaps. And it, uh, you know, it might help dampen some sound too. Obviously, you know, big dryers and stuff can make a lot of noise too. And that uh, that can be an issue nearby residents as, as well. So when we talk about, about cleaning, um, I made a note about clean and cover, I guess would be a good thing to, to think about. So um, when we think about that cover aspect, what are we looking at? When, uh, I mean, anytime grain is, is exposed to the air, that's when dust can potentially escape. If it's a windy day and you have grain in the back of a truck or it's being unloaded or loaded, um, that's when dust can escape. So if you can cover those areas, um, that does help reduce the risk of dust escaping. Um, that can mean possibly building walls and or a roof over top of um unloading pits or, or loading areas um, just to help contain the dust that can be covering making sure all trucks and wagons are covered when they're driving in and out of the yard um, it may mean even if you can it's not always an option but but limiting or limiting grain handling uh, in windy conditions just to prevent that dust um, blowing away um, it's not always an option given the tightness of, of harvest, but if you have the option, you know it's windy, um, it can be beneficial to try and control that a little bit more. And I guess the same applies if you're transferring grain either from the truck into storage or, or back out again, that you want to, uh, I guess, take those things under consideration as well, but even the distance that the, the grain has to travel in, in that situation. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the best ways when, you're, when you are moving grain in an exposed way like emptying it from a truck into a pit if you can reduce the distance that grain is actually moving um, in the exposed area that really does help to cut it back so i'm thinking of you know a truck driving over a receiving pit um, you know the pit could be pretty deep and and if that grain is falling 10 feet into the pit it could be shaking up a lot of dust and releasing a lot of dust if you can let that grain sort of pile up in the pit so that there's only maybe six inches between the pit and and the bottom of the truck that will really reduce the dust escape. Um, so waiting till the pit is full before you start that auger can, can help. Um, same thing when you're loading a truck from above, you can put a sock or a tube on the end of your loadout spout just to get that outlet a little bit closer to the truck. That just reduces the distance for dust to escape and 
again, you're keeping that dust then in within the grain mass mixed up. You're not letting that weight escape. And, and so potentially you're keeping a little bit more profit in the back of your truck. Now, we mentioned a bit about uh, the location of storage. Um, if you are thinking about starting a new on-farm storage system, what are some of the things that people should take into consideration if they if they if they are starting from scratch and they have the ability to pick and choose where they can can put their uh, grain bins? So that's a really good position to be in if you're thinking about you know getting started for the first time. Certainly, what I've seen as I've driven around Ontario is that a lot of systems have grown organically. You know, they started 30 years ago with the first bin and you know, then they decided, oh, I need another one. So they build one here. But there was never sort of a master plan in place to say, oh, I want this and that. And and what you often see is the bins closest to the elevator leg are the smallest. And as they get farther out, they get bigger and bigger um, with, you know, needing then roof augers to travel out to the farthest bins. Um, it, it's a little bit backwards. So if you are thinking of starting out, certainly take the time to plan out and, and not that you need to build five times what you need right now. But I think it's important to think about, you know, where would you put things if you were going to expand and how can you position your elevator to um, prevent dust issues or noise issues? You can use bins to build a bit of a a break wall um, to prevent wind um, from blowing in around your dryer rather than, you know, maybe it means turning the whole layout 90 degrees so that you're not channeling things toward um, toward the road or toward a, a settlement or a subdivision, but instead you're using the bins to block it. Um, certainly keeping things appropriate distances away from neighbors is always helpful and, and making sure you're going to have enough room for truck turnarounds and um, loadouts and scales. And I mean, yeah, maybe you're starting with one bin, but these things tend to grow. Once you have one, you know, you might have two in, in five years or three Um, So these things do grow and it's important to just keep in the back of your mind, where would I put the next bin if I were going to build one? And also perhaps take into consideration your wind direction. I know we talked about being from the Niagara region and um, especially where I am in Smithville, it's windy all the time, but it always, you know, it's pretty consistent, but it's coming from the west, the wind. So uh, is that something people should consider as well is is wind direction? Absolutely. And again, you could uh, position bins, you know, appropriately maybe facing the southwest so that they're creating a bit of a block so that if the wind comes howling in, it doesn't uh, blow straight through your dryer. It's sort of being channeled around it. Definitely wind direction uh, is a big factor in, in all of this. And and as I said, even planting trees and things like that, they take time to grow, obviously, but um, they can definitely provide uh, a lot of help in terms of creating that windbreak. And if we're looking at um, either building new or expanding is there anything that farmers need to be concerned about if they're perhaps looking at uh, combining different systems or different manufacturers or if they're drying dryer and their grain bins? Is there any concern about cross com- cross compatibility between different things? For the most part, um, a lot of the equipment is pretty simple. You know, one bin manufacturer will have their own, may, may have their own controllers and their own hardware. So you can't necessarily mix and match on the same bin. But certainly I've seen lots of systems where there may be bins from several manufacturers and, um, and fans can be added to bins later on from different manufacturers. So I, I don't think it's a big deal. Where you might have the biggest issue is, is control systems. So if you're looking at uh, setting up 
a centralized controller in a scale house or something that's going to allow you controlled access to every um, every aeration fan, every dryer, every elevator leg from a central point. Um, that would be something where where you might be a little more interested in in going with one manufacturer just to make sure that everything can connect well. Um, but but otherwise, in terms of the actual equipment, um, I don't think there's huge issues with with cross compatibility. And um, I mean, I think a lot of these manufacturers are used to working on farms where there may be bins from 40 years ago and then they're adding on to it. Um, so from a hard hardware perspective, it's not a big deal. But from a controls perspective, yeah, that, that could be more of a concern. And when we talk about varying ages of bins on farm, is there a concern with aging infrastructure and the stability or the ability of those bins to contain dust? Um, and should farmers be looking at that or doing anything to check the, their bins and how well they're holding up? So that's a great question. And um, probably in, in terms of dust management, one of the biggest things to be aware of is underneath your floor. There's, uh, especially in dryer bins or bins that have grain in and out of them all the time, um, dust does get through those floors. Um, the, the holes are pretty small, but even the canola floors, you can get a decent buildup of fines underneath it. So it's a good thing to be aware of that. And, and now with everyone carrying cell phone cameras in your pocket, it's, it's really easy to just cut a small hole in your, in your aeration floor. Um, stick your camera down there and, and have a look around. Is there significant buildup of dust? Um, is it in certain areas? Is it all over the place? It's hard for me to give a number of, of when you might consider um, tearing up a floor. But if, if you haven't looked under there in 10 years, it's probably at least worth taking a peek. I don't remember the last time well, that you exactly. did. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of work to pull up a floor and clean it out. But as I said, in, in a higher traffic bin where grain is moving in and out all the time, uh, it may be worth your while. And then if you just cut a small hole, you can just patch it up with a little bit of, uh, of plate steel and, and cover it over. It'll be fine. Um, and then you can go back later on and inspect again. But certainly I've seen bins where, you know, half the space underneath the aeration floor is filled up with dust. And then that also can become a harboring ground for uh, insects. You know, they can get down there and, and overwinter in in that dust. And when the bin is empty, you might think it's empty and cleaned out, but you could still have some things living down there. So it, it can be an issue for maintaining grain quality, and it's definitely something to be aware of. And what about the outside structure? So structurally, I mean, it's pretty easy to see whether a bin is degrading. If you look at um, the bolts and they're getting all rusty, um, it's it's probably worth taking a look at at least replacing some of that hardware. Maybe you need to get the bin painted. Um, there's a lot of old bins out there that have been painted, and I think if they're maintained well, um, they'll last for a long time. You don't have a huge risk. Uh, certainly in in some of the Twitter stuff with a, a lot of flooding down in the U.S., the Midwestern U.S., you saw a lot of bins that were bursting, um, and that's simply because they had grain in them, and, and the grain sort of soaked up the water, and it swelled, and, and then the bin popped like a tin can so um you're not at huge risk of seeing that unless you're in a flood prone area i don't think bins don't tend to do that on their own but um it's like anything that's made of steel on our farms if you treat it well and you maintain it you keep it painted keep the rest to a minimum it'll last for a long time and what about even older bins like ones that aren't necessarily made out of steel 
we've seen images of concrete silos falling down that's been on twitter recently too as well right you see those pictures of of oh i went outside and it was unexpectedly it had fallen down yeah so some of that is the old style of of silos that were being used for say silage storage there was a style of silos that um, it wasn't poured concrete it was concrete um, panels basically um, secured with metal rings and if those weren't maintained well, yeah, those metal rings would uh, would rust and could break down. And all of a sudden, then, yeah, you're getting silo collapse. Um, I think there's less risk of that with a solid poured concrete grain silo, which is what you typically would see for grain. Um, that being said, if you are a farmer that has an old concrete silo and you're thinking, hey, I don't have cows anymore, but that could hold some good grain, um, it's doable. But I would strongly recommend getting a structural engineer in there to look at it just to make sure um, grain, the pressure exerted by moving grain is actually higher in some cases than, than silage. So um, I mean, when it's sitting in there not moving, it's fine. But when you're loading and unloading, it can actually, the pressures are different than silage and you can, uh, you can run the risk of collapse if, if it's not structurally sound. Have, when we talk about uh, grain bins being structurally sound, have there been improvements in the past couple of years when we talk about the use of steel bins instead, or, or have there been any, I guess, advancements that we might not think about? We always hear about technological advancements and other equipment and stuff like that. So is there anything like that that's been happening with uh, the storage bins? Storage bins, I think, are, are fairly mature technology. Um, there's not a lot of improvement to be made. You can get bins with different levels of corrugation on the steel and, and different thicknesses, um, but your bin manufacturers are pretty good at that. You tell them the size of bin, um, what you're going to be doing with it, they'll, you know, they will recommend the best option. There's, there's not a lot of variation. So uh, it's not something to be super concerned about, I don't think. Uh, like you say, where more of the innovations are coming from is, is the control and, um, you know, we can do a lot these days with computers that we couldn't do in the past. As I said before, you can have a centralized control system that you can access that can control every fan, every dryer. And you can look at that on your phone when you're on the beach in Florida if you want to. Um, it's, uh, it's all doable. And um, certainly monitoring in your bins is getting more sophisticated. There's temperature and moisture cables Anybody putting in a new bin, um, I would recommend they at least look at that because that just helps you get a better picture of what's going on inside your bin. And then there's even newer technologies out there as well. One that I'm aware of is basically using, um, you know, medical imaging type scanners that they put sensors all around the inside of your bin and they can create essentially a three-dimensional image of of the grain inside your bin and where all the moisture pockets are. So instead of just having a central cable, um, you can literally see, you know, every square inch of the grain in your bin and, and what the moisture levels are at that point. So there are certainly some new and exciting things on the monitoring front and the technology front that can, I think, help help us get a much better picture of what's going on inside our bins and how that is going to be changing. But even having a, a temperature cable, you know, you're going to be, you know, a lot better off than somebody who just has nothing. Um, when you sit back and think about it, really, you've worked all year to get your grain in a bin. And, you know, at uh, even at five bucks a bushel, you know, if you've got 10,000 bushels in a bin, well, that's $50,000. And that's not a very big bin. So, um, you know, you got a lot of money in those bins, uh, potentially several hundred thousand dollars in a bin. 
um, depending on the crop. And, uh, and so you want to make sure that you're, you're keeping it at that good quality, get your money's worth. Exactly. You, you want to do everything you can to protect it. I mean, if I had, you know, a hundred grand under a mattress, I'd be checking once in a while to make sure it was still there. And, uh, so when it comes to storage, I think probably the most important thing is just know what's going on in your bin. Check it. Don't don't store it and ignore it. Make sure you're checking it on a regular basis and uh, and watching for things to go off. And that could be, I mean, you know, anybody that's worked around grain for any length of time has has smelled grain that is going bad. It's it's not a great smell. And if you detect that coming out of your bin, you know it's time to move it. Um, you know that if you if you see any signs of insect activity you got to deal with that like if if you're not checking your bins on a regular basis and, and that means at least you know every couple of weeks getting up there taking a look taking a smell um, if you've got monitoring cables or monitoring systems use them and uh, and be aerating that grain regularly just to keep the temperatures and moistures consistent and even especially over the winter you can really cool that down and hold anything from from going bad um and then as you get into next next year, when the weather starts to warm up, just trying to keep that grain as cool as you can um, and keeping the, the temperature inside consistent, that's, that's really going to help preserve the quality. You mentioned the probe sensors uh, and such inside the bin. Does dust impact the way that those probes and sensors are able to accurately do their job? It certainly can. Um, if you've got, a, again like these, these probes and sensors, they often tend to be in the center of the bin. And so if you've got a higher concentration of fines in there, um, you, you've actually created more insulation around those cables and they're going to be able to detect less um, temperature changes in the actual grain. So it kind of creates a, uh, yeah, an insulating effect that prevents it from seeing farther, farther into the grain. Um, so that can definitely be a concern. And, and I mean, the cables could get coated in dust and then they don't work as well. So yeah, certainly keeping keeping dust managed is is going to impact every part of grain storage. You know, we talked a little bit about um, complaints and and keeping up neighborly relations, but um, I guess that is something that farmers more than ever do need to consider uh, when we talk about that complaint factor. So, what are some some tips, I guess, for farmers who might be dealing with with issues from from their neighbors, in particular their non farming neighbors? Nobody likes getting complaints. Um, a complaint can, can feel like a slap in the face to say, well, I don't like what you're doing, or I don't think you're doing an enough job, a good enough job. And I think in some cases, farmers can tend to um, blow that off a little bit by just saying, well, the person who's complaining, they don't really understand um, what farming is. They don't understand the things that I have to do on a daily basis. And that absolutely may be true. It may be that the person who is not happy with something on your farm genuinely doesn't understand, and and that could be why they're complaining. If if they feel like something is is out of control or or isn't working as it should, and they don't see you doing anything about it, it it could be as simple as a misunderstanding. I definitely encourage farmers don't get defensive if somebody approaches you with with an issue, that never resolves it. Um, try and hear them out. I mean, they have a story. It may not be. Um, correct like I said there may be a misunderstanding but but they have what they've perceived and if you can if you can hear that out and and respond professionally um, it goes a long way I mean we're all members of our communities farmers are are there to stay and we're all often members of you know local community organizations local churches local you know 
hockey coaches and things like that. So chances are you're probably seeing your neighbors around and, uh, and you probably don't want to, you know, ruin relationships on the, uh, just because something's, you know, there's something's going on at your farm. So I would definitely say, take things, um, take things seriously. See if there is a genuine issue. Um, try and work with the person who's complaining to, uh, to help them understand a little bit better, but also look at your own operation to say, Hey, is there something that I could do that might be able to make this a little bit better for, um, for somebody else? Um, and even if you don't have complaints, it's worthwhile to think of your system and say, Hey, what, what would somebody complain about? What would I complain about if I live next to me and, uh, and was looking at this all day and, and wasn't, you know, part of the part of the operation what would I not be happy about so I think it can be it can be eye-opening to do that sort of uh, self-reflection and and uh, it can be helpful to try and make make your operation a little bit more community friendly is never a bad thing and we've covered a lot of ground in the last half hour or so if somebody wants a bit more information on uh, mitigating their dust emissions from, from their on-farm grain handling systems, uh, where can they go for an additional resource? Obviously, we have the article coming up in the November magazine, but for a bit more detail, where can people access that information? So if you're thinking of, say, you know, looking at actually putting in some kind of dust management system, I mean, if you contact any of the manufacturers for grain bins, they can certainly put you in touch with some of the equipment that they offer or with other suppliers of grain cleaners and things like that. Um, the article is a great resource to just sort of summarize all the different options that are out there. Um, and certainly you can contact OMAFRA. You can call our contact center, which is 1-877-424-1300. Um, they can put you in touch with me. They can put you in touch with some of our other engineers um, or crop specialists and, uh, and we can, you know, give some advice or connect you with other resources as well. So there's definitely information out there. Well, thank you for taking the time to come into our office and speak with us today, James. It was my pleasure. Joining us this week on the podcast is the chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario, Marcus Hurl. Thanks for joining us today, Marcus. Yes, good afternoon, Rachel. Now you are joining us actually over the phone this week from your combine. Can you tell us a little bit about what's happening out in the fields there in eastern Ontario? Yeah, uh, well, this week we're uh, very fortunate to have actually now a nice threat of nice weather coming in. And uh, I think a lot of farmers will be taking advantage of getting at least the early soybeans off. Uh we started a bit last week. Yields are really variable. Um, it, it has to do with the, the late spring plus some drought events that came through. And uh, I think maturity um, uh, of the beans kind of was forced to end anyways because we had uh, a killing frost that came through uh, this past weekend. So um, now in East Ontario, that's probably one uh, perspective, but I think on the Ontario, on the Ontario landscape, we can say uh, farmers are really anxious of getting out in the field and taking that crop off. It's been a struggle from the beginning, and uh, we're just hoping that the end is going to turn out better on yield-wise, on quality, and even, I think, weather. We're hoping for all that. It was quite a late planting for quite a few farmers uh, after that wet spring that we had. Um, what is your sense in terms of, of the quality of the soybeans? Are, are things looking okay from your field? Uh, 
quality, yes, until now. Um, it's been a lengthy season. Uh, I think we can probably get a good quality out of it. But like I said before, the uh, issue that we will run into is uh, soybeans that were pl uh, planted late, that will mature late. Uh, often enough, we get into some uh, not-so-nice weather periods anymore. And uh, we can get some quality issues coming later in the season. But uh, let's hope for the best and uh, that there is still more good to come. So. Now, farmers are also concerned about being able to get uh, the corn crop off this fall. Again, everybody was so late in planting. They're still waiting on the maturity for the, for the corn in order to be able to harvest. Um, but farmers, uh, while they're, they're waiting for harvest to arrive, should really be out in the fields checking on the, the corn, especially with the concerns we had last year with Dawn. Yeah, so that's actually a very good point, Rachel, that you're bringing up. Uh, the situation that we had last year is certainly still not something that uh, we have forgotten. And uh, we have to remember that this year, with the corn dropping so late, there is a high risk level of infestation of uh, disease that could set in. Uh, first of all, because uh, moisture levels in the cob and kernel are still fairly high. Um, we do have uh, a lot of moisture, I say, always during the nights, uh, heavy dews, and uh, that can initiate some of those, uh, those fungus diseases. So what I encourage all the farmers to do is go out, scout the fields, uh, look at the uh the progression of the uh, of the uh the crop how it matures if there's any indication of any fungus or disease that's being setting in uh actually uh have a conversation with agricorp uh do be proactive around it uh that we don't uh, run into the same issues that last year that uh, all of a sudden we're faced with a huge situation that uh, everybody's scrambling to find solutions for it uh, and I'm hoping that it's not going to be a repeat but uh, there, there's always a chance for that to happen. Now obviously getting the crops off the field and into the bin or off to the elevator is just one part of the equation. We also need markets to sell our grains into and that's one of the big issues that we've been trying to push with the candidates in the federal election. We're just about two weeks away now uh, from the vote. What uh, reminders do we have for our farmer members as we head into that federal election? What's happening at the moment on the political level is uh, the, on the platforms that were released from all parties uh, there has been very little mention about agriculture. And uh, even when we listen to some of the debates that are, that's happening either on the uh, national level or in your uh, local writing, agriculture doesn't seem to hit the radar screen too often. So I'm encouraging everybody to go out and meet the candidates because uh, it will be a tight race uh, as the, uh, the polls show at the present time that uh, the conservatives and liberals are fairly head-to-head uh, -head and uh, it's going to be a struggle to who is going to make government. So uh, if you can go out, have a dialogue with the, um, 
with the uh, the elected officials and uh, even with the uh, the candidates to make sure that they understand that this, uh, agriculture is an important industry industry to uh, first of all to support and to maintain uh, because uh, we're struggling through a trade war situation at the present time that's uh, not very simple to uh, to carry and uh, we're all feeling it in the pocketbooks at the end of the day thanks for your perspective on that marcus we appreciate the update from you this week you're more than welcome Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, James Dick and Marcus Hurl. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.